Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I think there needs to be compassion to why we're drawn towards emotional unavailability because ultimately, if we are drawn to people who are not available to us, it means that there's a part of us that's not actually available to relationship. It's Violet Benson, your favorite meme queen and the big sis you didn't ask for but need. Welcome. To almost adulting. Almost adulting. Almost adulting. Are you ready? Hey, besties. As we are currently diving into Love Month, you guys know I had to bring back one of my good friends and one of our favorites here at Almost Adulting, Mark Groves. Welcome. Oh my God, I'm so happy to be back, besties. For those who don't know, Mark is a human connection specialist and founder of Create the Love. He is a motivational speaker and creator. Mark describes himself as an emotional translator who empowers people to give words to their feelings. Mark, thank you so much for joining me again. We are very excited to have you on here today. Oh man, what are we going to dive into? I'm pretty pumped because every time we have a chat, I get pretty excited. I know, me too. So I was thinking today we can dive into, during January, I had a a solo episode where I talked about why we're drawn to people who don't love us or why we're drawn to to difficult people. And it has to do with our childhood trauma, what we sometimes, the love that we learn is the love we end up being attracted to when we get older. So I thought today we can kind of focus around unavailable people and why we're drawn to emotional unavailability. And if we are that, how we fix that. What do you think? Yeah, you know, I think there needs to be compassion to why we're drawn towards emotional unavailability. Because, you know, ultimately, if we are drawn to people who are not available to us, it means that there's a part of us that's not actually available to relationship. So why are we not available to relationship is what we have to dive into. The The frustration that we see by choosing people who are maybe in relationships with other people or choosing people who are long distance or choosing people who just got out of a relationship or we find ourselves in situationships over and over again and that's not what we're actually saying we want. Then if we're constantly in those things, it's because we're unconsciously sabotaging ourselves. We're unconsciously upper limiting ourselves through our relationship choices. So it seems like our Tinder has a virus and we just keep getting unavailable people. But I could give two people the same exact geography of Tinder starting at the same apartment and some would actually pick available people and the other people would pick unavailable people. And that just means that what some people code as red flags early in maybe the images and the way someone writes or the way they present themselves, other people actually bypass and actually keep moving forward into situations that another group of people would just not find themselves in. And so we just have to learn to connect back to our intuition, connect back to trusting ourselves, connect back to opening back up to love. And if we're willing to open back up to love, that means we have to choose people who are willing to meet us. And part of our unconscious strategies of avoiding getting hurt again is actually, which seems ironic or or doesn't seem like it makes sense because it's like, well, if I want to avoid getting hurt again, why would I pick people who keep hurting me? Well, you're picking people who can hurt you at a similar and tolerable and familiar level. 
We're talking about deeper hurts that we're avoiding, opening up fully, intimacy, closeness, love. And you're, you're right. You know, at the beginning you said due to childhood trauma, it's usually due to like a parent not showing up or people not being trustworthy in their life, maybe in their early relationships, maybe there was betrayal. And so if we haven't turned towards and explored those things, then our partner selection will keep not allowing us to move past what we haven't processed, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, you pretty much answered all my questions, so I guess we're done here. <laughs> I mean, let's close it out. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with all of that, but a lot of the yeah. times we don't know that we are emotionally unavailable ourselves. Yeah, true. Is, is there is there some tattletale signs to kind of tell when you are yourself are emotionally unavailable? Yeah. I mean, the first part is who you're choosing. So, you know, what we talked about, are the people just out of relationships, long distance, keep telling you they want something, but they keep acting like they don't. Like anytime there's a mismatch between words and actions, that's a red flag. And now some people will say, believe actions, not words. That it doesn't matter if they don't match up. Like someone could be saying they don't want a relationship and treating you like a partner. And you're like, oh, they must want a partnership. No, no, they don't. There's a mismatch between words and actions. So if we find ourselves tolerating that kind of bullshit, find ourselves in situationships that we are not consciously choosing to be in. Uh, also situationships, if they become our life, are also a way of upper limiting so that we don't have emotional availability. So they can also be a flag to unavailability. And then if we're someone who withdraws, if we're someone who shuts down, who is more avoidant from an attachment perspective, that usually will be about emotional unavailability. So, you know, it's the people who over pursue, they would never identify as being emotionally unavailable. They're actually too emotionally available. So, so there's like these different ends of the spectrum and emotional unavailability lives on the avoidance side of the spectrum. Got it. But there are some people who are disorganized. Yeah. Yeah. They can pivot. I think that's me. Cause I think sometimes if someone pulls away, that's what I'm like, oh, we're having fun. This is exciting. Now I can chase. <laughs> I, I can win this person. And then I win them and I'm like, oh, okay. Mm. I don't want them anymore. I won them. Can you <laughs> run away again? Yeah. I the disorganized one is, so have you had anyone walk through attachment styles and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, in the past, but I would love to revisit it. I mean, pretty simply put, it's based on research where they looked at a mom and a baby and the baby, the mom would leave the room and come back and they'd see how the, the young infant would behave when mom left and came back to the room. So first one, mom leaves, mom comes back, baby's distressed goes back to mom and then won't leave mom's side. And so there's this idea that if mom leaves, I don't trust that mom will come back. That's anxious attachment style. Next one, mom leaves, mom comes back, baby's like, what's up? Goes back to playing and that's secure. Last one, mom leaves, mom comes back, baby's like, didn't even notice you were gone, didn't even give a shit, like no biggie. That's avoidant. But what's going on in the avoidant child is physiologically like their heartbeat, their nervous system, is actually responding the same way as the anxious one. It's just that they're presenting as nonchalant. They're presenting as not caring. They're presenting as being detached. So when you think about, uh, and when you talk about disorganized, disorganized often comes from, it can come from many things, but it often comes from the experience of trauma. So it's like, I desperately do, or I do desire, not desperately, I desire connection and love, but I actually don't trust people. Yeah. I don't trust when we're close. So when I get close, because I do want the thing, then I get it. I'm like, no, 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 because I don't trust it. So 
when you think about it, there's either secure attachment, which is my partner's needs matter as much as my own, not more than my own anxious attachment, not less than my own avoidant attachment. So there's secure and there's insecure. And the reason it's so easy to go from anxious to avoidant is because you stay insecure, right? Like you don't move to security. Now everyone can learn to become to secure and it's called earned secure. And really the way I like to think about it, because it's just simpler relating, is that anxious people don't like their being space. And that actually pairs beautifully with the wound of avoidant people because avoidant people need space. So it's really the relationship to space that's the challenge. Now, here's where it gets interesting is that the anxious person's narrative generally, it could be something like this, is when I get close to people, they pull away or I'm too much or I'm too emotional. So what happens is, is they date an avoidant person and the avoidant person completely validates their view of themselves and the world. Now, the avoidant person generally has a narrative. When people get too close, they get clingy. They become emotionally needy. They become too much. Relationships can be a lot. Well, if they date an anxious person, it validates exactly that. So they tend to find themselves in relationship together because they tend to wound each other the same way that they were wounded as children. And so you can think of it as an unconscious way that we recreate our childhood experiences to complete and heal the things. So even though our relationships frustrate us and piss us off and we wonder why we pick these people, we're ultimately picking them so we can finally get the thing that we always wanted. Now, the, th the sort of trick of all of this is that we think we want it from other people because it was originally desired from our parent, right? I want it to be understood. I want it to be loved. I want it to be safe. I want it to be prioritized. So what happens is, is as, as adults, when we're dating, we date an unavailable person, which ultimately we're wanting to be important enough to finally be chosen, to finally be enough for them to change what they want or whatever. But what happens is, is that never happens because ultimately what we're actually seeking is for us to say, when am I enough? When am I going to choose myself? And then we stop getting into relationship, trying to get people to complete or heal our wounds. We heal our wounds by changing who we choose. And then we can actually participate in relationships that we're not trying to complete ourselves with. Yeah. But I feel like that's all easier said than done. Cause even when way easier said than done. Yeah. Everything you're saying right now, as you were talking in my brain, I'm thinking maybe I'm not an avoidant attachment style. Maybe I'm actually an anxious attachment style because as avoidant as I am with my friends, with, with partners that I date, I think I still attract people who are similar to me in a way that at first I let, I love actually when people are anxious around me when I'm dating, even though I pretend like I don't, it makes me feel good because it makes me feel wanted. And then I can act as if I could care less. But the minute they pull away, it's almost like even with the last guy I was talking to, I kept thinking about it, why it was making me feel the way I was feeling. And it made me realize like, oh, this is validating how I probably secretly was feeling in the moment. I felt shitty about myself towards the end of last year. And then I really wanted this person. And when they went away, I knew deep down that it was a weird way to validate. I wanted them to want me because then it would have made me feel good enough about myself. Mm -hmm. And I know that's usually the wrong way to go about things. So then it made me realize when this guy pulled away, like, oh, he's validating. I already feel like shit about myself. And now it's confirming that I'm shit to myself. 
Like, this is why I'm still so, like, obsessed with wanting his attention. So that's why I don't, I don't know sometimes. So am I really then avoidant or am I avoidant and I'm drawn to avoidant people? Or am I actually anxious? I just have no idea. <laughs> well, your self-awareness is great. And, you know, the, when we are drawn to people like that, you know, where there is the push-pull, it, 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 different types of people can bring out different types of attachment styles. So you yes. could be totally secure. And then all of a sudden, for the first time in your life, you date someone who's avoidant. And now you're like, I've never been this anxious in my life. Or the, you could be avoidant and you date someone who's secure. And you didn't even realize you were avoidant. You just found yourself never in relationships. And usually when we find ourselves never in relationships, it's because we're avoiding the closeness of relationships. And we might use standards as walls to not allow people close. Now, in your specific example... You know, I always would ask people, like, if you truly value yourself and the standards you hold and what you want in a relationship, would you even entertain people that play games? Because in my experience, the moment you start thinking about power in relationships, you're already leaving your center because you're actually starting to think about the game and not yourself and and power because power in relationship, like, You've heard, you know, I'm sure the upper hand, like who has the upper hand? Um, or we will say that a guy is whipped by his girlfriend, you know, like that kind of language. But it's really why we want to source power in relationship is because we might feel powerless. We don't want someone to leave. We don't so want someone to abandon or reject us. So we try to play games. And I'm not saying you're playing games, but I'm saying like on the broader scheme, that's what we do. Now, when we think about the energetic experience of someone leaving and then us being drawn to them, that's great to observe. Now, in secure relationships, when there's distance about to be created, we might say to our partner or the person we're dating, even a month in, two months in, you know, we know that we're in a relationship or exploring one. We might say, hey, when you leave, like it actually brings up fear for me. You know, like I feel this bigger draw to you, but I also feel like I want to push you away or whatever's coming up. And the other person, if they're secure and mature, can be like, I totally hear you. How can I help you with that fear? What can I do to help alleviate it? And so the relationship starts to become a mutual space that's about healing and bringing forward the vulnerabilities we have and the fragilities we have. And that's really the purpose of relationship is to heal to heal us. So what do you think? I, I like that you're saying that's the purpose of relationships to heal us because we get to learn of ourselves because I think in the past I've made the mistake of always thinking and saying that you need to be whole fully and heal yourself fully before entering a relationship. And sometimes now I've realized it's not true. Well, you can't. Yeah. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best 
to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. You can learn more about yourself when you are dating, when you are in relationships. 100%. Agreed. A lot of us think we got our poop in a group when we're single. We think we got it down, and then we start dating, and someone doesn't text us back. And then all of a sudden we're like, fuck, I thought I had that shit figured out. But that's the thing is like wounds occur in relationship. That's where they begin and that's where they get healed. So we might come into relationship feeling whole. And the only way you know how to draw boundaries around your wholeness is by having to draw it between you and another person. You know, there's a saying that the, a boundary is where you end and I begin. And I think that's a great way to understand that when you know that you sell your shit out, that you self-abandon, that you stop doing the things that are important to you, uh, then you know where you need to draw boundaries and you know where you end and other people begin. And the real challenge in relationship is how do I honor and hold on to my needs and honor and hold on to their needs too? And that's the work of a relationship is being able to create a container that actually celebrates both people's individuality, which is not what we see in romantic rom-coms or like Jerry Maguire or something, which I'm probably the oldest person on this podcast right now. So I get that. (laughs) No, but I think, I think the hard thing now is that dating has changed and it's not for a lot of people Mm -hmm. unless they ask for it. It's not what it used to be. A lot of people, it's like, uh, are you guys dating? No, we're in the talking stages. Oh no, no, no. We're just hooking up. We're just talking. No, we're just F buddies. And then there's all these different words and titles instead of just calling someone my partner or my boyfriend, my girlfriend. So then because it's not, the natural way of how it used to be in the past where a guy calls your house phone and asks you out, then he comes, shows up at your door. <laughs> you to talk to their dad, <laughs> yeah. their mom. That was a big deal. Exactly, for permission. Then it's it's hard then to, to understand what the actual rules are with the dating because it's not it's just not black and white anymore. So I think that's why sometimes it it's hard to understand. You're like, am I is this a red flag or am I or am I asking for too much? Am I overreacting just because he added a new girl on Instagram? Or is do I have a reason to call this a red flag? Like it, I think that's where it's kind of hard to understand. Yeah, you know, I would say that we only, you know, we get the gray that we allow. I'm going to say if you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, I don't know what to ask for. And I don't know if I push them away. If I say, stop with the fucking games, write down a list of what the fuck you want from a relationship and then fucking live it. Like if you go on a date and you're like, hey, I'm actually looking to find someone. And they're like, ooh, that's a serious conversation pretty early. You're like, swipe left, bye. Like we have to actually be that deliberate about it. And, you know, when, when we aren't, like if you don't actually even have a list of what you want in a relationship and what you want to create, you can't date. You're going to go around and accept any bullshit. And so you have to get very clear on it because if you're on a date with someone and they're like, I'm not sure, like, I'm actually just looking for someone to hook up with right now. Like, if people are going on dates and someone's saying that and they went in thinking, I want a relationship, and then they meet this person, they're like, I just want to fuck. And the other person is like, oh, that's what I want too, even though it's not. And so what they're doing is chameleoning. They're pretzeling themselves, which they probably learned really on, to meet someone's expectations and needs Forget their fucking own, which is such bullshit. Forget their own 
and then find themselves in relationships that actually require them to not actually be themselves, not actually want what they want. And so by choosing that relationship, they are validating that they're not worthy of more. And so we have to get actually very black and white about the algorithm of how we're going to date. Does this person want this? Yes, no. So we all have deal breakers. We all do. And we all have desired relationships. We might say, hey, you know what? Eventually I want to create a partnership. And while I'm on the way to partnership, I want to date and I want to only date people who are looking for partnership. So now if you find yourself in situationships, then you're actually not honoring the path. And then, you know, it's, we think that it's just a choice is not, it is just a choice. Like I'm just going to bang this person every Thursday. First off, Thursday's a great night. I wouldn't give Thursday, like Monday or Tuesday, if you're going to do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but my point is that if you find yourself in a situation once a week in that is not actually in alignment with what you desire, that's not actually just a Thursday or just a Monday. Because the aligned version of you could be at a coffee shop or could be on an adventure, could be out with your friends. Because you're in the aligned space of actually honoring what you truly want, that's where you meet the person who wants what you want. Someone else who's honoring themselves and honoring what they want. A bunch of people are in situationships looking for relationships. And if they left the situationships, they find each other relationships. You know, that's the irony of all of it. But we learn to tolerate bullshit. We learn to lower our standards. And I'm saying raise your standards. Stop even thinking that there are games or that there's too much complexity. It's like we got to get very simple and direct about the things we want. And then we'll actually get it, which a lot of us don't even know how to hold the capacity to actually let ourselves win, to actually let ourselves have the love. And that actually comes back to why we date unavailable people. We don't trust love. We're not afraid of commitment. We're just afraid of what happens when we commit to people. We're afraid of what happens when we're in committed relationships. We're afraid we won't know how to hold them, won't know how to trust them, won't know how to love them, won't know how to trust ourselves. I definitely agree with that. And I think the hardest part a lot of times in general, even when you do know what you want, is that there's a person there and you think, oh, they can fulfill what I'm looking for. And then they do something to disappoint you where your red flags will go beep, beep, beep. That's a red flag. Yeah. But then in your brain, you're like, well, they could, they could fix it. They could, maybe, maybe they'll try again. So then you, you, I think the problem is that people don't understand is that even if you are secure and emotionally available, you will still attract everyone, but it's yeah. up to you to figure out like, wait, no, you're not right for me. Never mind. Like, and that's what makes right. you then a secure person or, or a person that knows what they're looking for versus someone else who just wants to be loved. So then they stick around because people get mixed up with this part when they say, all I attract is cheaters. All I attract is narcissists. Narcissists are not picky. They'll date anyone. <laughs> it means you're the one that's just choosing to allow them to stay around. That's such a great point. You know, I remember hearing a friend once say, instead of saying all I attract is narcissists, maybe begin to ask yourself, why am I a match to a narcissist? And that's so powerful because generally people who are matched to narcissists are people who are over-functioning and codependent. They might identify as empaths. But really, it's because they lack boundaries around their compassion. And so when we are in relationship, which can be very painful, so I want to just acknowledge that for people who have been in relationship with narcissists, so I don't want to negate the experience of the pain of it, but I'm saying, actually grab that pain, fucking transform from it, say never again, because you're right. If you're saying, why do I always date these people? You're not actually, or if you're saying all I attract is that, I would say I could go find someone who says all I actually attract and bring deeper into the dating process are good people. You might meet tons of narcissists and meet tons of assholes, 
but they just don't get your phone number and they don't get your time and they don't get dates, you know, and that's the key. So you're right. You have to learn discernment. Yeah. So the key, I think the key of getting yourself there where you're more emotionally available, more secure attachment cells that it doesn't break you and completely destroy who you are and your self-esteem when the person who's emotionally unavailable that tricked you for a second thinking they're not disappointed you. And now you're like, okay, I should walk away versus the minute that in the past it happens to me. I'm like, oh, great. I have to prove myself to them yeah. that I'm lovable and I'm worthy. And eventually they'll go back to who they were in the beginning. But who they were in the beginning was someone they were pretending. Because yeah. that's what we forget. We're like, wait, but I liked who you were two weeks ago when we met. Yeah, because I wasn't, I wasn't the real me. You're getting to know the real me right now. Right, the representative. That's what we forget. And I hate that. But we get to learn other people's habits when we start dating them. And it always throws us off because you're like, you're acting. This is unlike you. No, this is exactly me. You're just, you didn't know. Totally true. I hate that. I do too. And the dating process is actually a sorting process. You know, we often, when we have one connection with someone, our loins tingle and all of a sudden then we're like, they're the one. And it's like, no, you know, you choose to let someone prove they are the one. They become the one over time. And so as soon as we say they're the one, we actually step out of discernment. As soon as we take any chemistry and make it that it has to be a person that we have to pursue, we're actually not in choice. And you were saying like, in order to actually step away from these types of people, you have to say no at the red flag space. Well, that's how you actually start to trust yourself is by actually making choices. And so if we say, you know, if we're healing something where we feel like we have to people please or earn love, it begins to get healed by stopping in those processes and saying, actually, this isn't me, this is you. And then we start to trust ourselves. And when we start to trust ourselves from that space, we start to develop a really sacred relationship with ourselves, like one that is about reverence, love, honoring ourselves. And then we're not going to allow someone who comes in and fucks with that. Yeah. Like whoever wants that to be like, you don't want someone to come in and take that away. I think a problem that I've realized that I've had recently is that I didn't want to put in, I mean, my therapist doesn't like when I use the word work and relationships. When I say (laughs) I didn't want to put in the work in the relationship, Yeah. but I think that was my issue. So I feel like I was accidentally continuously drawn to people who were going through their own trauma, whether they had like the last guy, his grandfather just passed away who was like a dad to him. So then I'm like drawn to it because it was it was creating almost a false intimacy for me because it was that quick jump in where, tell me, let me feel all your emotions. I want to drown in your emotions. And it, that's just like, I'm. it's so sick, but I'm obsessed with- You're so funny. I just want to drown other people's feelings without realizing it's what I want because maybe it makes me feel needed. Do you want to nurture them? Yeah. Maybe yeah. it makes me feel needed. I don't know what it is, but it's almost, I don't know if that has to do with the daddy issues part where finally a man- it, actually is vulnerable with me and opens up and I can nurture them instead of waiting 25 years for him to finally hug me, you know? (laughs) But, and I realized that that's where my issue lied. And not only that, I was also love bombing, quote unquote, because in the moment it's how I would feel. So I would be like- I remember you talking about that. Yeah, I just want to get lost in you. I I can just feel, I can see myself getting lost in you. You're so amazing, you're this and this. And then the, the first thing they do wrong that I don't like, I'm like, okay, we're done. And it's kind of like, whoa, that was flip floppy. And I know if a man, if someone was telling me a man did that to them, I would be like, red flag, move away. But I'm the <laughs> one doing that, you know, even though they're probably a red flag as well. I'm not saying they're innocent. They're probably emotionally available as well. But I'm just saying, I think 
it's hard for me to understand that I feel bored in the beginning of relationships if it's not diving in right into the high. And I, I'm trying to work on learning how to do that thing where you go on a day and you're like, yeah, this was nice. Thanks. I'll see you again. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, that was really nice. You're reliable. Versus like, I'm obsessed with you. I just want to, oh my God, your dad just died perfect. I want to drown all your emotions, cry on my shoulder. Yes, you need me. I love it. <laughs> well, there's a couple of things in there. One, uh, whenever someone steps in the role of caretaking, especially early on in a relationship, it's usually because they took that role as a kid. And that's not always true, but it's often true. Um, and Or they found value in maybe they their mother or their father uh, really confided in them, maybe about their other parent, but confides in them and they might be best friends with a parent. That often happens. And what happens is, is when they're in relationship and they seek people they need to help fix, change, nurture, is that it creates a sense of security because this other person needs them for their emotional processing. It also creates a hierarchy in the relationship because the person who is quote unquote healed and, and can do the emotional supporting actually is now up here and the person who's broken, needs work, all that kind of stuff is down here. And I'm not saying that's the circumstance with your uh, the guy who lost the grandfather. But what happens then is this person who's the project or the emotionally or emotionally needy one, they can never really fulfill healing and meet eye to eye because the whole way that the relationship's structured is so that that doesn't get met because this person holds on to security by taking care of them. And you see this in people who date addicts. People who date addicts, as soon as the addict gets sober, the person who was getting trying to get them sober for however long doesn't know what to do with all the energy they were directing and trying to help and heal someone because they actually need to direct it towards themselves, towards their own healing. The other side, though, that's really fascinating about the pattern of dating people who sort of like we find other people boring, who are reliable, predictable, nice, let's say. Uh, let's categorize nice, though, first. A perfect match, a good guy. <laughs> right, right. Well, here's one problem with niceness. And I'm going to say this, and let me just, if you're listening, you're like, there's nothing wrong with niceness. Yes, there is. There is when niceness is actually a manipulative strategy for people to like you. So a lot of men, but women will be able to identify with this too, but a lot of men in unconsciously as little boys in reaction to feminism, especially in the 80s and 90s, and if you look at the media and how it's spoken about men, toxic masculinity, rapists, murderers, all these things, everything is men, 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 then men and boys don't want to grow up with any form of assertiveness, aggression, and we often confuse boundaries as aggression, controlling, even though boundaries are actually healthy. And they never want to be like their fathers or like the men that they see, whatever it is. And so what happens is, is they're actually disconnected from their masculine center. So they learn to people please and especially please women. And they might even try to prove that they're not like any other guys that this woman's ever met. Yes, insert role eyes. That is important because what's happening there is there's a, a line from the book called No More Mr. Nice Guy by Robert Glover. And in it, he says, nice guys are actually anything but nice. Yes. Because the, right. Because the behavior is manipulative. It's contrived. It's not authentic because the desire is to get you to like them and stay with them and validate how nice they are. And then if you leave them, they get to be a victim of the fact that they were so nice. So it's martyrdom. So let yes. me just qualify that. 
Do you have any questions or thoughts on that? No, I completely agree with those guys. It's always the guys who say, I, I, no, no, not me. I'm a nice guy. And so oh, they're the like worst ones. First red flag, because a truly nice guy doesn't need to advertise it. He's so in his center, in his heart. He just knows. So when the kindness, though, kindness and respect are present, it's usually in the company of a person, but we're talking in the context of a man, who's got a regulated nervous system. So security comes with a regulated nervous system. The nervous system is important to understand because the nervous system basically is in charge of our fight, flight, freeze, fawn response. So if we're in uh, conflict or, you know, if you're in the jungle and you see a tiger, that's an important system to have, right? It makes you run and narrows your vision. It takes all your blood and it gets it to your extremities. Your heart beats faster. And... Uh, your gut doesn't digest in that moment because digesting food's not important. So you see people who get stuck in dysregulated nervous system response states can have digestive issues, things like that. And the reason I'm saying this and why this is important is that the opposite response, a regulated nervous system, they'll talk about as being rest and digest in that your body is rested, you're calm, you're able to make choices. As soon as you're reactive, as soon as you're like, stimulated, chaotic, your prefrontal cortex shuts down and you can't actually make good decisions. So have you ever had this where you're like messaging with someone or on a call with someone and they say something and all of a sudden you're like, like flooded. And I've had this from a text message. Someone will say something and my wounded brain will read it. It might be benign. It might not even be anything, or they might have a criticism of me. And I can't even, if I write something back, it's not going to be productive or good. Have you ever had that? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I definitely react sometimes in a way that someone else doesn't understand and vice versa. People have done that with me. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, so that's dysregulation. So I'm like flooded, my nervous system is activated, I'm in fight, flight, freeze, fawn. So fight we know as like, you know, I'm going to get, if we're in a conflict or I feel insecure with you, I might attack or criticize. Flight is I might leave. I might shut down. Yeah, and then the next one would be, that's you, you're the flighter? Yeah. And then another one is fawning, which is people pleasing. Like I might actually start to try to connect with you by complimenting you, by um, just making myself small. And that's a learned behavior, right? And then uh, freeze, which is I actually disassociate. So I might be here, but I'm frozen. I can't use my voice. I'm like shut down. So I say all of this because when we're in relationship with people and we're used to unreliability, unavailability, dysregulation. We actually find that attractive because it's familiar, even though it's chaotic. And then what happens is we then hump the person potentially 
and we experience arousal and arousal treats the dysregulation and the chaos. So the insecurity that I'm drawn towards with these unreliable people makes it so I actually am so much chemistry with them that then I experience arousal and the chemistry, the, the arousal calms down, like my body calms. Right. So the drug is the arousal or the yeah. like they message me back. Yeah. So when we are around someone who's like calm, we're not stimulated by that if we're, if we're used to chemistry being chaos. Exactly. There's no excitement. There's no, it doesn't, it doesn't give me that feeling. And in reality, it's like, it doesn't make me feel at home because I'm used to my parents, one of my parents not loving me. So this feels unfamiliar. So there's not, this doesn't make me sick to my stomach. It doesn't make me feel like I need to work to earn this love. Cause sometimes just, it feels more rewarding, you know, when, oh, I earned it. They love me now because I earned it. If it's too easy, it's like, this isn't real. It's too easy. Why do you love me? Oh, because I don't love myself. Of course, I don't believe you that you love me. I don't love myself. How can I believe you? Well, that the only way to recode it or change the narrative is to actually start saying no to what is chaotic to the nervous system, even though you want to bang what's chaotic. And you, so you have to start to say no to that and allow yourself to stay in the space of not having that overstimulation. Yeah. So you might go on some dates with some boring people, but what actually you're starting to learn is that it's reliability. Now, of course, we're differentiating between what I said was like contrived kindness, you know. Right, I'm right, talking right. about people who are really like m- mature humans who are yeah. like, hey, I'm actually, because, you know, imagine on the first date, someone's like, I had a really good time. I really look forward to seeing you again. I'm going to message you tomorrow. And then the next day they message you and they're like, when can I see you again? It was really wonderful to get to know you last night. Yeah, I love that. I, I mean, that yeah. that's usually my type that's of hot. dating. It's direct. No, that's usually my type of dating. It's more in the middle, something happens. I react with saying, we're done. Then they try to talk it out with me and I... So you cut them off. Immediately, but then in a way where I want them to chase me. And then we continue talking, but then I think the more times I do it, maybe the more times they lose interest or something. I don't know. But they're also in their own way unavailable because it's not like right after me, they find a partner. Right after me, they add 75 more girls on Instagram and like 75 of their pictures. And I'm like, okay, I picked another person that's that I thought I could fix or something. I don't know. I mean, that would be a red flag. Like right away, if someone's like following Instagram models and shit, like that would be a red flag to me. I mean, you could follow attractive people, of course, but like if you're like double tapping on weird, nah. No, this guy, he's like, what do I need to do to take you out? And I was like, just make me feel special. That's it. He was like, okay. He literally was like, say less. Within an hour, he added a bunch of new girls on Instagram, on TikTok, liked 75 of all their pictures. And I was like, wow, this guy really knows the opposite of making someone feel special. Like it's only been an hour since we chatted. And you already like made sure to, whatever. That's other people's defense mechanisms. I'm not going to hold it against that person is just not for me. No, no, they're not because they're not regulated. A regulated, secure person is not following 75 supermodels. Not just that. It's with them being interested in you, telling you, I'm interested in you. I want to make you feel special. And then doing the opposite. You're right. It has to do more with them than it has to do with how they feel about me. I would never date them. I'd be like, swipe left. Bye. Because that is such a red flag right away. You know, it's like, it's not true. They might have a fleeting intention and a fleeting interest, but it's not grounded. It doesn't feel good. You know, it's, it's like if you talk to someone about 
you know, them following porn stars or OnlyFans or whatever, which, hey, don't get me wrong. If someone wants an OnlyFans and wants to do that, it's great. But I'm like, if you're in a relationship with someone and they're following all that, to me, it's just disrespectful. You know, when I was 22, Instagram didn't exist, thank the Lord, because I probably would have followed those types of people. And then my girlfriend would have been like, this is disrespectful. And I would have had to learn that. But now that I'm older, I understand that. I understand, is it serving my relationship? If it's not serving my relationship, then why am I doing it? Why am I directing sexual energy towards other women? That's totally unhealthy. I think that's where boundaries come in because I think some people will be okay with it. Some people pretend that they're okay with it because they're not discussing their boundaries. So I think it all has to do if I think, I think as long as you communicate with your partner, Hey, I noticed you keep doing this. We've been dating now for five months. It, it makes me feel bad about myself. It makes me feel like I'm missing something between us. And then once you communicate, then it's up to the partner to fix it. And if they don't fix it, then you're like, this is a red flag versus they're doing it. You never communicated yeah. to them that it bothers you, but they've been doing it since you guys started dating. You just assumed eventually within five months, they'll stop doing it, but you never yeah. said anything. So yes. I think I think that's where people have to understand the differentiation. You have to say Like, hey, like when that guy did that, I said, hey, listen, I just want you to know if you have eyes for like a bunch of other girls, that's totally cool, but it's not something I'm okay with. So then we can just be friends and there's like no, no problem there. You know, I like your differentiation. I think that's really important what you said about if you didn't express it, you can't expect them not to. Yeah, that's true. If, if before they met you, they were doing that. And then I totally agree with that. And there needs to be grace in that space. Also, sometimes maybe they have friends who teach yoga or do whatever, right? And and they follow them. And and that can bring up an insecurity in us that we haven't actually actually navigated yet. So it's actually important to express it. And I think whenever anyone brings up something like that, like I'm not comfortable with you liking these pictures or doing that thing, um, the right answer, hopefully we can get to, or the right way to respond to that is, tell me more about why you feel that way. What can I do to look at that. Is this, is this an appropriate response to what I'm doing? Because sometimes it's not. And I think when you approach it, a lot of times when we approach something, we say things like, well, you never do this, or why do you do this all the time? So obviously the other person is going to react in a defensive mode versus being like, this makes me feel like this. Imagine if you were in my shoes. This makes me feel like I'm unlovable. This makes me feel like I'm, you're not attracted to me anymore. And then I think when you explain in that light, then the other person can feel some empathy towards their yeah, partner. Because it's like, I would never want to make you feel bad. I'm so sorry. I didn't realize that's how it would make you feel. Versus if you say, well, why do you always follow a bunch of hoes? Because you're insecure, you pathetic <laughs> little dick, blah, blah, right. blah. And then it's like, okay, well, F you. <laughs> yeah, if you're having those kinds of conversations, I'd be like, peace out, Brussels sprout. <laughs> I think all of us should date from the space as if we're 40. And I just say that because now that I'm over 40, I'm like, I, I think about the women I know who are over 40, they get to the place where they're just at zero fucks. Like their standards, their everything is like, I'm just doing it. I'm just being me. And I'm not going to settle for less than that. And I think, you know, that's part of the learning process of growing up. And, and going through the maturation process. But I'm like, man, if I could give advice to the younger version of me now, it'd be like, just stop with your bullshit. Like yeah. wake up to your bullshit earlier, set your standards high for yourself and for the people that you're in relationship with. And don't waste your time with what is not what you want because that's, you're not, you know, it's a learning process, sure. But you're, you're like actually choosing something to participate in that's not in alignment with what you say you want. 
That's painful. Yes, I I do that from with myself a lot. Sometimes I forget to do this, but sometimes there's moments where I stop myself and I literally verbally say out loud, your words and your actions are not matching. Your words and what you actually want is not matching. It's not aligning. And then I, that's how I'm able to sometimes stop myself from like chasing something that I know is not right for me. Because then I'm like, okay, you say you want this, but then you act completely different. You're not, this yeah. isn't aligning. I've so yeah, I, I love doing that because I- because I think the reason I try to teach other people to take responsibility for their own actions, it's not saying that, oh, it's your fault you're choosing these type of people, it's your blah, blah, blah. It's because I have no control over other people. I don't know why people, we don't really know why people do what they do. And I try to really make a point of that. But I do know why I do things. So if I get to learn more about myself and dive deep into why I'm drawn to these type of people, why I attract these type of people, why I accept this type of love, I can fix that within myself and then I can make better decisions. And when I make better decisions, I find other people who make better decisions because yes. I'll stop accepting poor behavior. So I only can take responsibility for myself. No one's going to do something unless they're, they're ready to do it. Amen. Amen. You know, when we step at that level of standard for self, you do start to hang out with different people. You start to attract different people because you're not in your behavior. Like if you're in your behaviors and habits that are not in alignment, then you're going to be around other people who are in those same behaviors and habits. You know, I think one of the most, I forget who said it, but the, there's a famous quote that you are the five closest people that you hang out with. You are? Yeah, like your values, oh. your rituals are reflective in the five closest people in your life. Yeah, I agree. So if you want better values, better rituals, hang out with different people. And I totally agree with that. You start to adopt their behaviors, their standards. So if you want boundaries, start to hang out with people who have great boundaries. If you want good nervous system regulation, which is important, hang out with people who have who feel grounded, who feel like they have amazing boundaries. Yeah. I mean, the people I know who are like that, their lives are great. Like if you have good boundaries, you will have a good life. That is 100% true. Mark, what's the one question you always get that you can share your wisdom on, on this episode before we wrap it up? Oh man, what's one question I always get? Yeah. You know what? I get such, so commonly, the question that gets inboxed to me is something about not knowing whether they should stay or go in a relationship. I get that too. Yeah, and- you know, the first thing I would say is that that's such a complex circumstance and one that I have so much uh, compassion for for people because you're going to face decision trees like that, wise in the road, for many things in our lives, not just relationally. And so it actually is a way of building self-trust. And so often when people come to me, the first thing that I sort of explore or think about in those circumstances is do you generally give away the authority over your own life? Like, do you go to other people to figure out what you should do with your life to validate your choices? And that's usually because we learn not to trust ourselves as kids. So that's the first thing I th say is like, actually, you know better than anybody what the right choice is. The second thing I would say in that is that there's a question I like to, there's a couple questions I like to ask people. The first one is, is staying or going abandoning yourself? So if you stay, are you abandoning you? If you leave, are you abandoning you? And we all will get the answer that is our growth edge in that. 
The next question that I just, there's a great book called Too Good to Stay, Too Bad to Leave. And so I recommend that for anyone in it. And it's a therapist who explores 39 questions, I think. And then she gives the answer that therapeutically she knows is the sort of structured answer, but then she gives the answer that she sees in the couples she works with. Um, But one of the questions from that that I really liked was, if they changed everything, would you want to be with them? Like if they became everything that you wanted, would you actually want them? Because some of us, that answer is no. And some of us actually don't respect the people we're in relationship with. Maybe they're actually make disgusting decisions. Maybe they've betrayed us. Maybe they lie a lot. Maybe we can't trust them. So being able to start to build self-trust in that choice. And the other thing I'd say is um, that I will usually say if I put both answers in a hat and I pull one out, which one do you hope I'm holding? And that's usually one of the main answers. And last but not least is that I find that people are usually looking for the answer to be anything but what they know. Right. And it's one of the hardest decisions to make. Or they're looking for the validating answer, which is what... Exactly. Permission. But that's so interesting. You're so right. We do, if we're always used to other people telling us what to do in a weird way or that validation, we're not trusting ourselves. Yeah. So here they come to another outside quote unquote authority uh, or perceived authority to go figure it out. And I don't want to negate the beauty of desiring to pursue the answer because you care about it. But you know, a lot of the time, I think that's one of the hardest decisions to make because we consider Often we consider the impact on everyone else far before the impact of staying in a relationship that doesn't serve us. But the cost of staying in a relationship that is not in alignment with your values and your truth is that it will affect your health. Yeah, that's so true. But it's that fear that if I go, what if I don't find anything better? But then that's saying, that's what then you think this is all you deserve. Because sometimes yes. it's someone with a partner that's not emotionally unavailable. But the, I, I've had people that ask me when they're with a partner that treats them really well, but they're not as driven as them. They're not working right now. They're too dependent on them and so on. So then it's in a way where, am I asking for too much because I'm so goal oriented, but they're not. So should I stay with them or should I go? What if I don't find someone who will love me as much, but they are goal oriented, but then they don't want me. And it's like, well, that's up to you to figure out what you want, what you feel that you deserve and what you're willing to sacrifice. Right. Yeah. Amen. You know, that, that idea that (laughs) I might not find what I truly want is again, more not believing that you can create it, that you're actually the creator of your life, you know, and, and that when we can finally step into being the creator of our life, and and knowing that we have to take responsibility for it, you know, then and trusting that we can choose our way towards that, you know, and if our relationship and the person we're with isn't interested in changing and growing, what are you going to do? Are you going to spend your life playing small and capping your potential because someone else is terrified of being bright and big and loving all out? I don't know for me. That ain't for me. I love that. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to leave, especially when you get so comfortable in in what you know. It's it's hard to it's hard to be alone. But then I think it's also not fair for the other person. That's what I usually try to. And, yeah. But one thing that my mom taught me a long time ago is to not give my opinions to my friends when it comes to what they're going through with their partners. <laughs> but she's yeah. so right because no one. And now I just allow my friends to see what they're ready to see because I always say when my friends ask me for advice, I always say. I'm not in the relationship, it's you. So it's your choice. Because at the end of the day, if you choose to stay with them, you're the one that's with them 24-7, not me. Right, yeah. Because 
a lot of times when my friends finally break up with their partners, that's when I say, oh, okay, I never liked that person. And I'd be like, <laughs> why didn't you tell me? And I said, look, I saw red flags, but I didn't think it was appropriate on my end because, you know, you should take it with a grain of salt with when your friends give you advice about your relationship because we're talking from our own experience, from our own trauma. I'm not always going to see things clearly when I give you advice about your relationship because I may be seeing it from my perspective. So yeah, I, I try to be careful with that. But eventually, you know, people see when they're ready to see, oh, this person isn't treating me right. This person is not showing up for me. This person is not meeting me halfway. This person doesn't make me feel good and I'm tired of feeling this way. I do deserve better. I'm going to walk away. And then that's where I'll be with my hands wide open, ready to give you a hug. <laughs> come on. Like, come yeah. on, come here. You're going to be fine. <laughs> I agree with that. You know, sharing your unsolicited advice is a violation of a boundary. And I had to learn that too. And so if I think that someone could... Uh, use my advice, then I'll say, are you open to me offering you some thoughts on what you're moving through right now? And I always say to people, your no is so celebrated. Like if you actually feel no. So I, a lot of times people we're in relationship with have a really hard time with boundaries. So whenever I'm working with anybody or just in friendships, or even with my parents, I do this, is I'll say like, hey, if there's a boundary here, I want you to communicate it. I love your boundaries. Me and my girlfriend do this where we'll ask each other, wait, are you looking for advice or are you looking to vent? And that's how we kind of know with one another if what the other person's looking for. But even if someone's, if someone comes up to you and says, should I leave my partner? It's not, don't say yes, because then they don't leave that partner and they'll never speak to you again because it feels uncomfortable every time they're around you. They're going to look at you and they're going to remember that you told me to dump my boyfriend. And it's going to be like, well, what do you know? <laughs> blah, blah, blah. So it's just like, never mind. Forget I asked. Yeah, they avoid you after that. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. Um, Mark, what are you currently working on? Oh, man. I have a few things I'm working on. Um, one is I have a new breakup course that's launching pretty soon, I think in Exciting. like a month. Okay. Yeah. And it's like a, just a new updated, really professionally filmed uh, breakup course. And then I have uh, my course Dating 101, which is like the best course I've ever created. It's about nervous healing your nervous system and the process of dating, like turning dating into a healing process. And um, last but not least, I can't say too much about it, but I'm working on a TV show. So that's pretty exciting. That is really exciting. Uh, where, where can people find all your courses? Uh, they can find them at createthelove.com and they can find my podcast, which you're about to be on again, uh, the Mark Groves podcast. And uh, they can find everything at create the love on Instagram or now I'm on TikTok, da, 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 feeling, <laughs> feeling it on Doing there. Doing your dances? Never doing dances. I'm going to help you be emotionally available. That's right, <laughs> right, exactly. Pointing at things that disappear too fast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh my God, I love chatting with you. Yeah, always. Thank you for trusting me with the besties. Thank you, besties, for trusting me with your time. And uh, yeah, I'm so eternally grateful. No, thank you for trusting me with your time. Everyone go check, uh, check out Mark Groves and check me out on his podcast and definitely check out his website, createthelove.com. I hope you have a beautiful day. Don't forget to follow Mark and subscribe to his podcast and I'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.